So we're working our way through the shorter catechism. We haven't got very far yet. We're only on the third question. If you don't have a catechism, there's some on the back table. And uh, you remember from our first uh, introductory lesson, we talked about that katechao is a Greek word in the Bible, and it talks about teaching or instruction, and particularly instruction in teaching in the basics of the faith. So that, for example, we saw when the Thessalonian church, uh, when they had come, people had been gathered there that newly had believed, then the apostle uh, was urgent to, to get to them because he'd, he'd been driven away by persecution and he wanted to go back to them so that he could catechize them, so that he could instruct them in the basics of the faith, ground them so that they would be rooted and grounded. And he couldn't go himself because of many reasons. And so he had uh, Timothy go and take care of that. And all the places where Paul and Barnabas went, they would go back again and help the people to be rooted and grounded in the faith and to raise up leaders among them. And then uh, as we've come on in our our series here in the catechism, we've seen what our, our chief end or our ultimate purpose is. That's in the first question. And we've seen what uh, rule or standard that God has given us that we may know how we should glorify God, which is our our purpose. Let's review these two questions. Let's recite them together. Question one and two, I'll ask the question and then we'll give the response together. Question one, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Question two, What rule hath God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him? The Word of God, which is contained in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him. So our chief end, main purpose, life, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And the Lord has given us the Holy Scriptures to tell us how to do that, so that we can know how. And now this week's question flows out from that. Question three, what do the scriptures principally teach? The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. It's very important to know the principal teachings of God's word and what they are, main things. We'll look at how important it is to know these principal things in our first heading. It's always a problem in anything if you can't distinguish between the principal things and the secondary things. If you want to learn how to cook and you decide that the most important thing that you need to learn about is your cookware, that's something you probably do need to learn about, but you think that's the main thing and you focus all your attention on that, different kinds of pots and pans and what kind of metal they're made out of and the different utensils and measuring cups, what brand they are, what the capacity is, what type of material, the functions they serve, all of those kind of things. Well, that can have some use, but if you make some bread at the end of the week and that's all you've done in your cooking class, I don't think I want to have any of your bread (laughs) because you didn't focus on things that were more important that you needed to know for cooking. You were all off on this, this thing over here focusing on things that were not as important. If you get a job cleaning houses, you get a new job and you go out and you've got three houses that you're supposed to go to that day. So you go out and, uh, you know, there's... Dirt on the carpet and the kitchen needs to be washed and the bathrooms are dirty and all this stuff. 
And you go in there and you, you look up at the lights and you say, oh, look at those lights. They're kind of dusty. And you get all the glass and you polish it up and you spend three hours polishing all the little things on the chandeliers and things like that and cleaning the globes. And then you're like, oh, well. And then you go on your way to the next house. Boy, you're not going to have a job because you were focused on the secondary things or even worse than secondary rather than the principal things. So you, you see that um, this is very important. Well, missing the principal things of Scripture is even a worse problem. And there are a lot of people that do. They go to church week after week, and maybe they even read their Bibles, and they never learn the essential teachings. They're religious, and they think that they're right with God, and they latch on to some less important things, maybe that the Bible teaches. But they miss the main point. They don't know God. They don't know who they are. They don't know His Son in a saving way. This is a tragedy with devastating eternal consequences. Worse than losing a job. And they feel good about what they're doing all the way to hell. In the scripture reading that I want to read today, and during this time, we're not always going to have scripture readings in this time, but uh, am this week, Jesus challenges the respected religious authorities of his day with this very thing. They miss the principal things that God has revealed. That's right, even these revered religious authorities missed the principal things. You know that because they didn't even recognize the Messiah, did they? Now give me your attention as I read to you from God's Word and you can see for yourself that this is so. I'm going to read from Matthew 23, beginning in verse 23. Matthew 23, verse 23. Here's the Word. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, <laughs> that's a pretty funny picture, isn't it? You know, they're, they're getting a little gnat out because, you know, there's something unclean in my, my drinking water and they get that out. And then they swallow a camel. They miss the camel. That's what he's talking about. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Jesus doesn't say the outside doesn't matter, but he says the inside is even more important. Do that first. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets." Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt, serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? 
Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel and the, to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. I'll pause there for a minute. That's what we saw this morning, remember, that we talked about the judgment of, at Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It came on that generation. Because why? The culmination of their rejection of apostles and prophets all through the years was their rejection of Jesus himself. In 70 A.D., that judgment fell upon Jerusalem. And there was also, of course, the judgment of his apostles and prophets that were mostly killed. Verse 37 he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till the day you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You can see how Jesus charges these religious leaders with missing the important things. They were zealous about religion. It wasn't like they were yawning and didn't care. They were zealous. They were worried, though, about things like taking a tithe out of their herb gardens. Like, you know, you picture, this, this wasn't even like a, a, a garden, like in an, for a commercial garden where you had a big field. This is like the guy, you know, he's got the little plot that he's using to season his food and he's got some herbs. He takes those and he gets the leaf, maybe the mint leaves and he takes them and he takes off 10% and he takes those as his tithe, right? Wow, that guy's religious. You know, he's really doing it. And uh, yet Jesus says, you know, you, you miss the weightier matters, loving people, helping people, this sort of thing. Murder the prophets. Like you, you think the prophet is a bad guy and you murder him. You, you miss the big things. They were so pleased with their outward conformity to God's law and all its details and completely missed the call to love their neighbor or to listen to the preachers that God sent to them. They honored the dead prophets and stoned the living prophets. Jesus called them vipers and said, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Missing the principal things, you see the consequences. It meant that they went to hell. If you've done much outreach, I'm sure you've been disappointed by people who completely missed the point as well. You know, the kind of thing where you finally get a couple of buddies to come to church. And then a sermon. So you got two friends from the neighborhood or something, they come to church. Sermon of all things is from Acts 9. When Paul was converted on the Damascus Road. And he hears the voice from heaven and of Christ, and he realizes that he's been attacking the Lord himself by attacking Christians. And he repents, and he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. The message is clear about our need to be saved and about the uniqueness of Christ as the only Savior and how easy it is to be wrong about him. You can't wait to talk to your friends at supper, you know, that, that, that afternoon. Uh, both of them say to you, you know, that hey, yeah, the people, the people were really uh, friendly at church and they had a nice time. 
But you want to know what they thought about the gospel. I mean, they just heard the call of the gospel. So you ask them about the sermon. One of them wants to talk about aliens. You know, he said, yeah, you had that voice from heaven. You know, do you think there are aliens? You know, and he starts talking about that and getting off on all this stuff. And he said, I heard that there was a passage in Ezekiel about that, you know, and start looking around. I was studying the Bible, looking at that. It really stirred me up. He's like, oh, well, you know, he did. He missed the point. And then uh, the other fellow says, uh, hey, I've got a friend that lives in, in Damascus. Paul's on Damascus Road. And I, when I went home, I looked up Damascus on the Internet. And I, just realized, I didn't realize it was such an old city. I thought it was a, a new place. And I started uh, studying. I got really excited. And I looked at all these verses in the Old Testament that talked about Damascus. It's been around for a really long time. And he's all excited, too. And they missed, they missed the point. What a disappointment. There are lots of examples of the Bible of missing the point. Paul warned Timothy. There were certain people at Ephesus where Timothy was ministering, and they were all focused on the genealogies. I met some modern day people like that. They were reading it, and they're, they're reading into all these things. It was some people that were, uh, you know, Jewish people that had been professed to the, to the Messiah, and they were, they were studying all these genealogies and figuring out what different people were going to do because of what tribes they were trying to trace all that stuff down. And it, it, it's missing the point. And when Jesus fed the 5,000, they wanted to make him king. They didn't understand that he didn't come to be a king like they were, they were looking for, that he came to die on the cross. We're looking at that section of Mark's gospel now where Jesus is telling his disciples that he must go to the cross and that following Him will involve suffering in the world, but they don't get it. As we go through this section, we're going to see that they just don't get it. They're asking, you know, Peter rebuked, and we've already seen that. And then we're going to see that um, how that they will say, Jesus will be talking about this, and then they'll say, hey, can we sit on your right hand, left hand, when you're on your throne? It's like, I'm going to the cross. You know, and then they come again and say, hey, we were wondering who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom, and they're, they're talking to each other about that. Jesus, we're going to the cross. The greatest one is the one that serves. And, uh, you know, they, they don't understand. They miss the, the, the principal things. So you see that it's a very serious thing to miss the principal things of God's Word. Of course, the disciples were glad, came around. But um, we need to look at the principal things that the Bible teaches. So there, um, there are two principal things. And because you answered the catechism question, you know what they are. That the scripture teaches, and that is what we're to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. So these two categories are described in a whole variety of ways. We can call them faith and duty. We can call them things to believe and things to do. The Latin is credenda, credenda, agenda, things to believe, creed, like credenda, an agenda, an agenda that you have. Uh, the confession refers to the Bible as the rule of faith and life. Sometimes we say that it's the only rule of faith and practice or faith and life. So let's look at each of these categories in a bit more detail. These two things are a summary of what the entire catechism teaches. So if you have a catechism, you might want to follow through here as we look at that. Really, it's an outline, a summary outline here of what we're going to do in the rest of our catechism study. So uh, what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man, that's expanded out in our catechism. What man is to believe concerning God is developed in the first half of the catechism, questions 4 through questions 38. Question 4 through 6 
speak of who God is, of His attributes, and of His triune nature. And then questions 7 through 11 speak of him as the one who planned everything in his sovereignty, his decrees that pertains to us in all things, and who carried out his plan by creating us and governing us. Like he made all the plans first and then he put his plan into action. It's still going on. In questions 12 through 19 speak of the first covenant that God made with us. Covenant of works made with Adam in the garden. How we broke that covenant. How we fell into condemnation and sin and misery. The trouble of sin that came on us. The judgment for sin came under God's wrath and curse. It lays all that. Those are principal things of Scripture that everyone needs to know. Then questions 20 through 28 speak of how God sent His Son Jesus in the flesh to redeem us. It begins by saying how He didn't leave us all to perish in our sin and misery. He sent us a Redeemer, a Mediator, who's Jesus Christ. And uh, these questions, 20 through 28, speak of how He came and of what He did to save us. How He was the Son of God and also man, those sorts of things. And then questions 29 through 38 speak of all the benefits of salvation that the Spirit of God applies to us when we come to Christ. The calling that we have. And then our justification, what that is. We need to know that. Adoption, uh, sanctification, other benefits in this life, and then the benefits to come, like the resurrection and the hope of glory. And that's the first half, you could say, of the catechism. The first division is the things that we believe concerning God, that we might have life. Essentials of the faith. Every Christian needs to know from God's Word. And then, the second sort of principle things, what is the duty that God requires of us? That's developed in questions 39 through 107. It begins by talking about God's moral law and tells us that that's summarized in the Ten Commandments. Questions 39 through 44 introduce us to the moral law and the Ten Commandments. And then questions 45 through 81 go into an explanation of each commandment, showing what is required and what is forbidden. One of the things that we learn there that's very, very helpful when we go through that is that the commandments are not to be taken in a superficial way because they come from God. And that means they speak to the heart. So, for example, like Jesus taught us, when it says you shall not murder, it doesn't just mean that, you know, you should never uh, take someone's life, period, and that's it. Like God sees our hearts and everything. And Jesus talks about how we can have murder in our heart if we hate our brother. And you can push someone off, not want them around, exclude them, mistreat them, hate them. All of those things harbor bitterness and resentment. There's just the, the, the commandments you see are the Ten Commandments are summary statements of all that God's moral morally requires of us. So we'll see that there's tremendous things to learn about just how to live every day from those commandments. And then uh, in questions 82 through 84, very, very important little section there, we're told that we can't perfectly keep God's commandments in this life and that we deserve to go to hell for our disobedience. And then the rest of the catechism is about how to be saved. Okay, now we've seen what God does to save us, the things that we're to believe, the justification, sanctification, all those things that are part of our salvation. But 
here it's about how do we receive God's salvation? Question 85 summarizes the rest of the questions of the catechism of what God requires. It tells us three things. Faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, and the diligent use of all the outward means that God has appointed. The means are things like the reading of the Word, prayer, um, the sacraments, those, th- those things that God has given us to connect with Him. So faith and repentance are explained in questions 86 and 87. Now that might seem overly brief to have the whole of like one question for repentance and faith, but uh, you see this section does not tell us what to believe, it tells us what it is to believe. So again, we've already talked about what to believe in the first part of the catechism. And uh, then repentance doesn't tell us how to live, it just tells us what it is to turn from sin and to turn to God's way. And then you have all that stuff about the Ten Commandments that are show, showing us uh, what the way is that we're to walk in. So we've been told what we're to believe already, but now we're told uh, that we, how we are to go about believing, I guess you could say. Um, so... That's uh, very, very helpful, that section. Then the rest of the catechism explains the outward means of grace that uh, God has given to us uh, to keep us in the way of faith and repentance. So question 88 introduces us to those outward means. It tells us that they are the word sacraments and prayer. And then questions 89 through 90 speak of how we're to use the word. Talks about reading, preaching, that sort of thing. Question 89 through 90. It's question 89 through 90. Then 91 through 97 of how we're to use the sacraments. That's kind of a long section. And the reason for that is not because the sacraments are more important than the Word, but because people make a lot more mistakes about the sacraments. They get things wrong. They don't understand things about the sacraments. So to clarify what, what they're supposed to, how they're supposed to be done. And then in questions 98 through 107, it's all about prayer, how we pray to God. So you see that in the Catechism, we have the principal teachings of God's Word summarized for us under two headings, what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God is required of man. We see in the Bible that faith and duty are indeed the principal things. For example, in John's writings, John tells us why he writes. Toward the end of his gospel, he says he writes that we might believe. John twenty thirty one. he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. So you see how important it is what we believe. John says, that's why I'm writing. Yeah, he's got a lot of other important things too, but the principal thing is that you might believe. And then in his first epistle, he speaks of writing to tell us what we're to do. First John 2.1, he says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And then as he goes on writing, he tells us about loving our brother, tells us about um, keeping the commandments of God, tells us about putting off our sin, and uh, he tells us about believing too there, about believing the gospel. So, so John says that his writings are to tell us what to believe and what to do. What we are to believe concerning God, what duty God requires of man. And then we find something similar in Paul when he is writing or uh, when he's in, uh, speaking to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, he summarizes his whole ministry. What did I do when I was among you? What did I preach? If I summarize my, my preaching, he said, my ministry was repentance toward God, 
and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that again? Faith and duty. They're in the reverse order. He said repentance and then faith. Repentance toward God speaks of our duty to turn from our sin, that we might live according to God's commandments. And faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ refers, of course, to what we're to believe about His saving works so that we might be saved. So Paul's ministry was to teach what we're to believe and to teach how we're to live. I could go on and speak of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, teachings of Jesus Himself. And one that I do want to mention of Jesus is, uh, is in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He commands us, what is our mandate? We're to go unto all the world uh, and make disciples of all nations. Well, how do you make a disciple? Two things, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that you show them what it is to believe on Jesus. The work of the, the, the Spirit involved in that. The work of the, the Father in sending His Son to, uh, to die for our sins. And then Jesus being the one who came and, and what He did for us and what that means. and all that, So that the people are baptized in His name. Believing. Coming to believe. And then teaching them to observe all that He has commanded them. Is the next thing He said. In which they are to teach them the duty that God requires of them. What God's commanded, how they're to live. So, you see that faith and duty are the principal things that God's Word teaches. It's very important for you to keep both of these principles before you. Sadly, there is always a tendency, and I've talked to you about this before, to emphasize one at the expense of the other. I saw this tendency when I became a new believer in university and I visited lots of different churches. I went around and uh, talked to people at Christian high schools or elementary schools or whatever, telling them about how I came to be a Christian with some other guys that just talked for five minutes or something and tell people things. And, uh, and, I, and I began to notice in these different churches, there would be one church that emphasized practice and everybody was doing stuff, but nobody really knew what they believed. And then they go to another church and it would be the opposite. They were all focused on what they believed and nobody was really serving. Nobody was really caring for the, the needs of others very much. So that one, one had truth without love. The other one had love without truth. So that was possible. Um, for, from observation, you would almost think that faith and obedience are incompatible with each other. The Bible, as we saw, that they're inseparable in the Bible. Um, perhaps they're incompatible unless we have the powerful working of God's grace. Perhaps we need to pray and ask God that we would not only believe right, but we would also live right. If we're going to have both, then we need the grace of God. God's Spirit has to work in us. We need to pray earnestly for this. Those who focus on what to believe but ignore duty are addressed by James in chapter 2. He says, Faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. He says, The demons believe but they don't really serve God. They know what Christ did. They saw it. But they rebel against God. That's how I was before my conversion. I believed the facts, but I had never repented of my sins. I'd never turned to God with sorrow for my sin to start living for Him by the grace of Jesus Christ. I believed in a sort of a historical way that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I believed it actually happened. I also believed that it was actually for sin so that people could be forgiven. But I never did repent of my sin. I hadn't been convicted of my sin. I didn't really see it as sin. And the truth is, I really didn't believe. 
because I just had a, a belief in the facts, but I wasn't trusting in Christ. wasn't resting, looking to Him for life. I had turned in, until I turned from my sins, and then I was able to come to Jesus in a real way. Then you meet the other kind of, of false Christian, those who focus on duty, but who are without faith. It's a problem many, that many of the Jews had. Paul writes about them, Romans 10, 3 and 4. He says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. See, they didn't know the way of righteousness, the things that we are to believe. And seeking to establish their own righteousness, doing works, having not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. They were so busy keeping God's commandments, or supposing that they were, that they didn't see any need for a Savior like Jesus. So that's like the church, really, that I grew up in. The pastors didn't believe that the Bible was the Word of God, and they thought that Jesus was just a man. I actually didn't think that when I went to that church, but that's what the ministers thought. And they thought He was a man that set a good example. They didn't believe that He was truly God. I asked one of them uh, after I did come to faith, and he told me that he didn't. He didn't believe Jesus really rose from the dead. He thought He was a guy that just had a good example that people should follow. Church with over over a thousand people in it. But uh, they were busy. They were busy doing good deeds. You know, soup kitchens and things like that, social justice of various sorts. They miss the gospel. They miss the real need of the nations. And when you really looked at how they were living, they didn't really live godly lives either, though they did works. But things like sexual immorality or um, abortion or different things like that, uh, they were off on those things. Husbands loving their wives didn't happen very much. Saw lots of marriage breakups, lots of things where people were not following the way of the Lord. So you, you see again how important it is to get the principal things that the Scripture teaches. If you neglect the weightier matters, then you'll err, uh, fatally err. But as I have said, it's, hard, it's a hard thing to maintain the two together. So how do you go about keeping the principal things as principal things in your life? Well, first of all, we're to help each other to do this. Preachers like Paul faithfully preached what he said in Acts 20 again, the whole counsel of God. Woe to the preacher who preaches doctrine but neglects to preach the the duty. Or the preacher who preaches duty but neglects doctrine. He will have to answer to God for it. In Acts 20, Paul said that he was innocent of the blood of all men because he had preached repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, because he had preached the whole counsel of God. The implication is that he would not have been innocent about people under his ministry going to hell if he had not preached both of those things. He would bear responsibility for them going to hell. They would bear responsibility themselves, of course. It doesn't excuse them, but it's a fearful thing to preach. And I would covet your prayers in preaching. I'm thankful that you often do pray because I want to preach the whole counsel of God. I don't want to go off on some little tangent over here and get off on something. I want to keep preaching the principal things, both how to live and what we're to believe, to keep those always before us together. Very, very important. Of course, this, uh, so, so this is, uh, would, would motivate us to pray. I mean, it's, it's hearers. You should be very motivated to pray that you will get the whole counsel of God from the pulpit in our church. And brothers and sisters, uh, helping each other, uh, we're also to admonish each other. 
You know, that's a, another way that we help each other to, to maintain these principal things. If there's someone among us who says they don't believe the Bible, then, uh, or that they don't believe that Jesus is truly God or something like that, you need to say something to them. That's a big deal. Like, that's something that would disqualify them from a, a, a real Christian profession. And if they won't hear, then take people with you to talk to them. Take them to the elders to talk to them. Try to persuade them. And if, if they still won't hear, we might have to remove them from the membership. We would have to because they've denied the truth. And they're in danger of hell. We need to recognize that that's so. But you see, if they, if they believe something off on some secondary thing, something that's not as important, that, that's not a, as big a deal. Maybe they don't understand baptism in a biblical way or, or something like that. You, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a principal thing. It's a secondary thing. And likewise, if you know someone who's living in immorality or who curses God or who dishonors their parents, you know, go to them. Plead with them to repent. Repent of neglecting the duty that God has given them. If they won't repent, then get someone to go with you. If they still won't repent, then bring them before the elders. Then the elders will warn them and try to persuade them. If they still won't repent, then we need to put them out of the church as well in hopes that they will repent and that their, their conduct won't spread to other people. That's what the Bible tells us to do in that case. Neglecting to deal with such things is what causes churches to go astray. Like I told you about the church I grew up in, how did it get like that? Because things weren't dealt with at their inception when they first began. Somebody's living in immorality, they looked the other way, they didn't deal with it. Somebody was believing, not believing, that, believing that Jesus was not the Son of God, they looked the other way. After a while, you had ministers that didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. You had ministers that were living in fornication. So you see, we have a duty to watch out for each other, especially in the principal things. Yeah, and other things too, we want to encourage and help each other, but especially in the principal things. The second thing that you must do, you, uh, very important for you to do to maintain the principal things, is to study the Scriptures. It's important to read the whole Bible and not just to gravitate to your favorite parts. Sometimes to surprise that uh, people have been Christian for a long time, they've never read through the whole Bible, never once. This is the book that God gave us. Revealing His truth to us. Uh, it's true that there are many details as you read along that are not essential, but it's important for you to read the entire book so that you can see for yourself the, the things that are stressed and that are there again and again. Uh, very, very important. As you read, try to understand what the main point of each account is and try to understand what the main point of each book is. I tried to help you with that when I preached that sermon series a while back going through all the books of the Bible. Look for the things that you're to believe and look for the things that you're to do according to those scriptures. And yes, you can also rely on the church to help you. Not everyone's a strong reader, so you can listen to others read on audio and be sure to listen carefully when the word is read at church. Something that we're told to do. I've mentioned to you before of uh, John Brown of Haddington that an elder that influenced him when he was a young man was a, an illiterate man. And uh, he had the scriptures almost entirely memorized from hearing them read. He couldn't read himself. And so he knew the Bible better than people that can read from hearing it. 
So, uh, and of course, listen to sermons. The Bible itself um, speaks about the importance of preaching the Word. It talks about it over and over again, in fact. It's the primary way, really, that God has appointed for the Word to come to us. And be sure not to neglect family worship. God's appointed that men wash their wives with the Word, and they command their household after them to keep the way of the Lord. We looked at that recently in Genesis 18, 19. had a sermon on that. Hearing the Word with those you live with has a special benefit. Because when you're living closely with people, you know, you hear something about, like, that we should dwell together in unity, and then you, you, you go away from your, And everybody heard that together, and then people start quarreling. It's like, hey, we just heard the Word. And everybody can, uh, can re- refer back to that. It helps keep you accountable because you know that they heard what you heard. And uh, if you're doing that on a daily basis, very, very helpful. You can also con- concentrate on some essential passage um, as you're guided by creeds and catechisms and things like that. You know, look up some of the cross-references and read the verses in the context that we're looking at as we study the catechism. Look at the Ten Commandments. Important chapter. See, that's one, one where we have essential things that are set forth in a summary way. The Lord's Prayer. Those are all set out in the catechism. Remember that the catechism itself is a summary of the principal teaching of the Scripture. So it's given to you by godly, wise, judicious men to help you learn the principal things. But it will be best to see those teachings in the Bible itself. A third thing you must do if you're going to embrace and maintain the principal things of the Word is to come to the Word with the right attitude. Come with hunger. Come to feed on the Word of God. Proverbs encourages you to treat the Word like treasure hidden treasure even, that you you have to do some work. You don't just come to it in a casual, superficial way, gliding across the pages. But digging, you dig for treasure. You look for it. You search the Scriptures, as Jesus said. Surely you want to know the truth about God. Surely you want to know about His works of salvation for us, and His creative works. Surely you want to please Him. Your chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Surely you want to do that. And you can't do that if you don't understand the principal things. So come with a yearning and openness to learn what the Word says. So many people come with closed minds and refuse to receive what the Word teaches. Don't be like that. Come to God's Word with an eagerness not just to know it factually, but to make it a part of your life. That's what I mean by feeding on it. Don't go away unchanged. Come to the Word to actually receive something. Jesus taught that those who desire to do His will are the ones who will know the truth, who will know the doctrine. They'll be sure of it. If you're not interested in knowing God and pleasing Him, then He has no intention of giving you a clear understanding. You'll be one of those guys that gets off on the genealogies or gets off on some kind of weird word study or something or looking at numerology or some kind of tangent like that and and not really getting the principal things. You'll be warped in some of the ways that I've talked about today. Guy that's polishing the chandelier, right? He didn't ignore the the filthy carpets and the bathroom and the kitchen that needed to be clean. Come to the Word with humility. That's another very important thing. Coming with humility means that you come recognizing that the Bible has spiritual truth that you can neither understand or practice without God's help. 
The Bible says the natural man, in other words, the man without God's help, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. So come with prayer, asking God to show you his truth, to open your heart, to give you discernment and understanding, and then you'll have grace to obey it. It's remarkable to me how often Paul refers in his prayers to those that he's writing, when he's writing to people, he often prays for discernment for them. If you notice that, like in Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians, different places, when he's praying for them, that you'll have discernment, that you may be able to understand the word. Why? So you can do it. So you can believe what you need to believe. So you can do what you need to do. So come as one that's dependent on God, that's praying, Lord, give me discernment. Give me understanding. Show me your way. If you do, God will give you an understanding of the principal things to believe and the principal things to do. You may not know the details, but you'll have a good, solid understanding of the essential things. The scriptures are understandable to anyone using ordinary methods of searching them because uh, God made them to be understandable. Yeah, there are things that are hard to understand. You can't understand everything. But the beauty of the scripture is that anyone who, who is looking for truth will be able to find that. You'll know God. You'll know His Son in a saving way. And you'll enjoy Him, be able to live for Him, and bring glory to Him. How kind then our Lord has been to give us the Holy Scriptures. And how kind He has been to present them to us in an understandable way. In a book that we can uh, believe what it teaches and we can obey what it says. Let's ask the Lord then to help us to truly feed on His Word. Let's do that now. Please stand. Lord, we want to thank you again, as we did last week, for your word. It's a very precious thing that you have recorded your revelation for us in a book. And Father, this is the way you have chosen to do it in our particular time, and we thank you for it. We've, we're the most privileged of, of people, Lord, because before you came to individual men and you gave some revelations to them here and there, and you called them, you, did, you, you greatly blessed them. But Father, now Jesus has come and we have the history of all of that, of what he did on the cross, of why he came, of how we're to live in response to that, what we're to believe in response to that. And it's all there for us, Lord. And we thank you that we have everything that we need, Lord. And, and we're, we're the most privileged of, of all people, Lord, to live in the time after the scriptures are complete. And Father, I pray that we would delight ourselves in these. Father, we see how much good it did for Israel when they were in the wilderness and they had all the signs and things going on, bread coming down from heaven and uh, fountains of water opening up for them and all sorts of things that you did, parting of the Red Sea. And yet, Lord, we see how that, that their hearts were hardened, not because of the problem with the revelation, but Father, we think sometimes that, oh, we would believe so much better if we had those things going on today. But Father, we wouldn't. We have what is better than they had. And we thank you, Lord, for that. And I pray, Lord, as you have told us that in these last days, you have spoken to us by your son and that the apostles and prophets have given us a record about him, that these things we write unto you that you might believe. And Father, we pray then that we would look at the things that are written that we might believe and that we would look at them to see how we are to live. Father, we need your help then in doing that. 
in understanding and then in executing what we have understood. So help us, Lord, we pray. Give us grace. Give us your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that we would also be encouragers of one another, that we would help each other to walk in the principal things, Lord. And yes, we want to help each other with some of the details too. But especially, Lord, first and foremost, that we would make sure that the big things are right. You know, that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation and that we walk in the way of His commandments. Lord, help us, we pray. Give us that grace that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. As the people who are blessed of the Lord receive the blessing of the Lord. Now may the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Amen. 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 Amen.